Why the cross? Well, I've spent a few weeks thinking about this and praying about this. And and when I said to God, well, you know, why the cross? His response came back to me, why not the cross? And I thought, yeah, why not? But why the cross? The cross was a method of Roman punishment in those days. It wasn't pleasant. It was something brutal, long drawn out, (coughs) totally degrading pretty barbaric but it was something more than that we need to go back to the very beginning of the Bible to begin to look at our reflections on why the cross right in the very beginning we hear in 1 Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 God said let us make man in our image So what is God like? What image were we made in? Well, God is righteous, holy, loving. What a wonderful image. What a wonderful thing to aspire to. Righteous, holy, loving. Not all that backbiting and evil and all the things. And God looked at everything. He saw all that he'd made, and it was good. He was pleased with what he'd done. Great. A wonderful start. So what went wrong? Sin crept in. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see the story of the fall. And things would never be the same again. Man was tempted and succumbed. And because of that, a fallen man could not enter into the presence of a holy God. Adam knew he'd sinned, because when God came into the garden, he hid. He knew he couldn't be in the presence of God. Man knew that something was different. The relationship had been broken. That relationship that started off so well, suddenly was no more. Today, it's not cool to talk about sin, what we've done wrong. We don't like to mention that we're sinners. And I've heard people actually say, use different words, don't mention the fact of sin. But we've all fallen short of God's standards in one way or another, whether in thought or word or deed. Every one of us, I have, I know. And, you know, we'd rather blame somebody else for what we've done. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Wasn't my fault, he persuaded me. You know, there's always somebody else to blame. There's a wonderful song by Don Silvoso, and it goes like this. It's your own fault. You didn't have to do it. You've got the choice. It's your own fault. You can blame no one but yourself. You know, Eve took the apple. She took it to Adam. Adam didn't have to eat it, but he chose to. And this is where sin started. This was the breakup of the relationship. The Bible says, 
all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that hasn't. The righteous one, God, hates sin and desires that sin should be punished. Now back in those days, one of the ways of appeasing sin was to offer sacrifices. And right through the Old Testament, we see times of sacrifices being offered. When Abraham came on the scene, God actually asked him to sacrifice his own son. He tested Abraham's loyalty. I want you to sacrifice your son. Go and do it. And when God saw Abraham's obedience, he provided a way out. There was the ram in the thicket. God had seen that Abraham wanted to obey him. Abraham had committed himself by covenant to be obedient to God. And his devotion, his willingness to sacrifice his son, has been paralleled by God's love for us in Christ. The only difference was God went further. During the wanderings in the wilderness, we see sacrifices coming more into being, and we, we see the, the sacrifices that had to be there for sin, the sin offerings, the sacrifices given time and time and time again. Every year, the Jews celebrated the Day of Atonement, and sacrifice had to be made over and over again. The trouble was they were flawed. Even the priests didn't do everything correctly. There was a flaw. Something had to be done to change the situation. It couldn't go on. And in Isaiah, we find this wonderful verse that says, he saw, referring to God, he saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him. God did something about it. God's love for mankind is amazing. He tried a covenant relationship. And if you see the number of times the people came together and said, yeah, we'll do that. We will worship God. We will serve God. We will do it. But look at the number of times that they turned away and actually didn't fulfill it. We're like that. We're just the same. How many times do we say, yes, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do this. You know, we can spend our time worshipping God on a Sunday. And then we go out on Monday and something happens and we've forgotten. I'm as guilty as the next person of that. We all do it. And if we look at Palm Sunday, we, Rick would have been talking on Palm Sunday today. And if we look at Palm Sunday, there were the people shouting, Hosanna, praise the, God, the Lord. You know, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. A few days later, it was crucify him. We want Barabbas. The change in people's attitudes. Something needed to be done. And Isaiah 55, verse 53, verse 5 to 6 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then in Galatians it says, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And in Genesis it says, Through your seed all nations on the earth will be blessed. That was what God said to Abraham. Paul referred to this verse later on in Galatians and showed that Abraham's seed was Jesus. And following the death of Jesus, the gospel was taken to the whole world beyond Judaism. So that was fulfilled. All the nations on the earth are blessed because we now have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And in Ephesians it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has removed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have access to Father because of what Jesus did. We don't have to hold back. As we were worshipping earlier and I was thinking and reflecting, I just felt God say to me very clearly, I want you all to know I'm delighted in you. I'm delighted in you. And you're free to come. You're free to come and worship me. You're free to enter the throne room. Right in that centre place, right by me, you are free to come. And I want you to. I want you to know that freedom. I want you to know that freedom. But that freedom has come because Jesus died on the cross for us. When he died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Suddenly, the Holy of Holies was available for people to see and go into. The Holy of Holies was a place where people never went. But the barrier was taken down. And and for us, it symbolises that You know, the barrier between us and God has been taken down. And we can now come boldly to the throne. We can come into the presence of Father. Because Jesus loved us so much. There's this drawing together. And that relationship that Jesus brought us back to. And Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. He didn't say just the Jews. He said all men. God wants us to be lifted up because he lifted up his son that we might be lifted up in a new way. As I've already said, the cross was the punishment of the day. I thought more about recent punishments and I thought, you know, the executions that we have today. And they're all pretty horrible. Whatever you think about execution, execution is awful. It's barbaric. But most of the things that the modern executions are far more spontaneous. They don't last so long. They wouldn't have had the same effect, especially as crucifixion was considered to be a curse. Jesus bore the scourging, the degradation, the mocking, the pain, the struggling for breath humiliation and rejection on the cross. It was horrific. It doesn't bear thinking about. 
And yet sometimes it's good to just think, yes, and he did it for me. He did it for you, for every one of us, for the world out there. Jesus did it because he loved us so that we could have a relationship with Father. When I was a student, I volunteered to be a counsellor at one of the Billy Graham Crusades in Birmingham. We had to attend several evenings of training to, to do this, and I remember one of the pictures that they, they showed us was of a, two cliffs, one there and one there, and right in the middle was a ravine. On the one side of the cliff was man, on the other cliff was God, and in the ravine was the sin that separated us. And they drew in a cross. They just drew the cross. And, and, and we were told that, you know, this was a good picture to give to people, that the cross is the bridge between man and God. But as I reflected on it more recently, I thought, yeah, but when you think about the cross... It was the one punishment where arms were stretched out. Jesus' arms were stretched out on the cross. They reached from God to man to bring them back together. And that that really sort of struck me. And I thought, you know, it's such a wonderful picture today, isn't it? Jesus stretched his arms out so that he could bring us back together. Max Lucado wrote, Imagine the moment. God on his throne, you on the earth. And between you and God, suspended between you and heaven, is Christ on his cross. Your sins have been placed on Jesus. God, who punishes sin, releases his rightful wrath on your mistakes. Jesus receives the blow. Since Christ is between you and God, you don't. The sin is punished, but you are safe. I am safe. Safe in the shadow of the cross. This is what God did, but why? Why would he do it? Moral obligation? Paternal requirement? No. God is required to do nothing. The reason for the cross? God loves the world. I thought, wow, what a wonderful picture. We all know the the verse in John 3. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. No condemnation. Do you remember when Jesus dealt with the, the woman taken into adultery? The one thing he said to her after she was on her own, he said... Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. No condemnation. That's what God says. How wide is God's love? 
wide enough for the whole world. The Bible does tell us that we need to believe in him to gain eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It also says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said, I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I often have a a habit of looking at the study notes in my Bible. And the study note for this, with the the righteous, said, A self-righteous man doesn't recognise that he needs salvation, but an admitted sinner does. So... A righteous, a self-righteous person isn't going to notice. But a sinner recognises that he needs that forgiveness. He needs the cross. And, and I look, as I looked at this, I thought, you know, today we often hear people say, oh, but everybody's intrinsically good. We don't recognise that need for forgiveness. Job said, how can a mortal man be righteous before God? He recognised that man isn't righteous. We have hindsight that wasn't present in the time of Job because through the cross, we can be made righteous. We've got that wonderful hindsight, haven't we? And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And again, my study notes... Christ, the only entirely righteous one at Calvary, took our sin upon himself and enjoyed the punishment we deserved, namely death and separation from God. Thus, by a marvellous exchange, he made it possible for us to receive the righteousness and therefore be reconciled to God. Our God is wonderful. What a wonderful God we have. What a loving Father we have who desired that relationship back so much that he was prepared to sacrifice his own son for us. Jesus took that punishment. He paid the price for my sin so that I could stand before Father. He was God, God's son, and yet he chose to humble himself and become like man become a man, become a human and die a terrible death so that I might have that relationship with Father so that you might have that relationship with Father that's why the cross John 15 says greater love has no one than he lay down his life for his friends Jesus showed this love he died so that we could live forever with him Max Lucado again said, and and I know I've used several of his quotes, but I found them so moving. One of the reference points in London is the Charing Cross. It's near the geographical centre of the city and serves as a navigational tool for those confused by the streets. A little girl was lost in the great city. A policeman found her. Between sobs and tears, she explained that she didn't know her way home. He asked her if she knew her address. She didn't. He asked her phone number. She didn't know that either. But when he asked her what she knew, her face suddenly lit up. I know the cross, she said. 
Show me the cross and I can find my way home from there. And Max Licardo goes on to say, so can you. Keep a clear vision of the cross on your horizon and you can find the way home. I remember one of the songs as a teenager and we, we don't often hear some of the older songs and, but this, this one verse really struck me. There's a way back to God from the dark path of sin. There's a door that is open and you can go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. It's coming back to the cross recognising what Jesus did for us. That truly wonderful sacrifice. A total sacrifice of love. A sacrifice of reconciliation so that we could be reconciled to Father. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. Why? Because he loves us. That's why the cross. And that's why I believe that we really need to focus again this Easter and just remember the cross is central. It's the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. But we have to receive it by faith. We have to believe that Jesus did it for each one of us. We have to recognise the love that he poured out that day. The last words he uttered on the cross were to cry out, It is finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What I believe he was saying was, it's done. I've completed the task. I've broken down the barrier between man and God. I've overcome sin. Through that, the victory is there. The victory of the cross, because without that, there would be no further walking through. That's why the cross. Because Jesus wanted to, because God wanted that relationship back and Jesus wanted to make sure that he was there to help with that relationship. There was no other good enough to pay that price of sin. He was the only perfect one he only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. There was nobody else that could do that. Only Jesus. So, why the cross? Because that was God's way of reconciliation. Because God loves us. And he gave himself for us. And his, his desire is that we believe. We trust him. Jesus died on the cross for us. One thing he asks is that we remember what he did 
through the breaking of bed, bread and sharing wine together. And this is why we do it in remembrance. Because Jesus said, Jesus said to us, do this in remembrance. This is my body. This is my blood given for you. Remember. Don't forget it. Never put the cross to one side because the cross is central. I'd just like you to reflect on these few verses. That crown of thorns, that pain, the sharpness of those thorns digging in, being pushed in, they whipped you, they beat you, they mocked you, they spat upon you. Yet you, in your love, stood there and took it all. Lord, your love for me is so wonderful. Yet what do I do for you? I'm wayward, unforgiving, wanting my own way rather than yours. I'm pressing in that crown of thorns. But I want your way, Lord, not mine. Forgive me, Jesus. As if the crown of thorns wasn't bad enough, look what else I did to you. I drove those nails in right through the flesh, the jarring every time the hammer hit. And yet, you bore it for me. My sins still drive in those nails. Teach me your way. Forgive me, Jesus. And yet it had to be so that you could forgive me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you were prepared to go to the cross for each one of us, for me, for the, my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, that you did it for each one of us. And thank you that you've given us this meal to share together, to remember you. And to remember, Lord, that you loved us and your love is beyond measure. We are so grateful. Thank you, Lord. Amen.